welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I want to share a little bit more. This was something that God put on my heart. If you were here last week, you might remember just during our worship time, just where we, as we were singing a song, just God put this word on my heart about being highly favoured and I wanted to just I guess unpack that and explore that a little bit more this morning and if you've got your Bible we'll have it on the screen but if you've got your Bibles I'm just going to read from Luke chapter 1 that's going to kind of be our kind of key scripture that we're going to read a few different bits from this morning you can open up and read along if you like it's an it's an interesting story and this whole idea about being highly favoured is an interesting one isn't it and it is something that I don't know about you, but I kind of struggle with a little bit because I kind of, it's one of those things you think about, okay, you know, yes, I know that I have God's favour and I'm His child and all that kind of stuff, but, but what does it mean to be highly favoured? You know, it's like, do I, would I put myself in that kind of category? So we're going to ask a couple of questions this morning and uh, the first one is this, does God have favourites? <laughs> so this is this is the first question that we're going to explore. But let's look in uh, in Luke chapter one. We're going to look at uh, a little bit of this story. It's a story that we normally talk about it, uh, or is often talked about at Christmas time. It's Mary. It's uh, as the angel appears to her, and it's kind of a familiar story. But it's it's always good to look at the Gospels any time of the year, isn't it? We can talk about Jesus any time, can't we? Yeah. All right. So let's read together uh, from starting from verse twenty six. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now, I guess if you were going to talk about this question of does God have favourites, um, I, I think we'd have to kind of think Mary would be up there among, if God had favourites, she would have to be up there among them, wouldn't she? Like she was picked out among all of the, the, the women of that time to be the, the mother to give birth to Jesus, the, the Saviour, the Messiah, the very incarnation, the personification of God Himself. And, and you, we, you can look through and we, often we pick out these characters in Scripture. And sometimes there are, there are uh, passages in Scripture that kind of tell us about characters and people, men and women that are specifically described as being highly favoured or of having found favour with God. A couple of examples, if you like, I'll, I'll get to in a second. But one of the things that I just want to clear up before we get too far, when we talk about favourites... Um, I know what some of what comes to your mind for some of you, <laughs> and I just wanted to clear up and just to clarify that's not what we're talking about this morning, because I mean, re- really, like none of those are anybody's favourites, really, are they? I mean, if we really talk, <laughs> not not if you have any good taste in in chocolate, none of those are your your favourites, but. <laughs> Some of the characters that we might think of when we think about, you know, who might be God's favourites, we might think about, you know, maybe Noah, who, you know, was a guy in his family was singled out 
to be rescued and saved out of the entire world. But in Genesis 6, Genesis 6.8, we read, Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. And we might think about other characters as we read through the Bible. We might think about Abraham, you know, he had this special encounter and God gave him this amazing promise and, you know, God's favour was just all over him. And over and over again, we read about how God blessed Abraham and multiplied everything he had and he became wealthy and it's like everything he did just like God's favour was just all over it. Characters like Joseph, now even though he was kind of, you know, had the whole uh, sibling rivalry and sold into slavery, he ended up as being like the second in command over the most powerful nation in the world at that time of, of Egypt. Had a mate, God's favour and, and blessing was just on his life. You might think about characters like Moses, you know, the, the whole burning bush encounter and God appears to him and, and chooses him to be the leader of his, his people, his special chosen nation and deliverer. And we read in Exodus 33, it says, The Lord says to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have requested, for you have found favour in my sight and I know you by name. That sounds like one of God's favourites, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Does that, that sound like the way you talk about someone that you kind of, you know, we, we read about Moses and it was like, you know, we, this, this whole thing of, you know, Moses would meet with God and talk with him face to face, like, you know, you talk to another person and the whole thing where the, the people would make Moses wear a, uh, a veil over his face because he was kind of glowing and it was freaking them all out. <laughs> we don't think about that too hard sometimes, do we? But that would be a strange thing. You imagine what it would be like. I mean, I mean, I think it would be a good thing, but a little bit scary. I mean, what would you, what would you think if I came to church next Sunday and my face was glowing? <laughs> Probably your first thought wouldn't have been, "Wow, he's really, you know, been spending time with God this week." Your first thought would probably be, "You know, quick, this guy needs to get to a hospital." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're more spiritual than me. Um, King David. Now, there, you know, the, the warrior king, the man after God's own heart, surely, you know, he was one of God's favourites. You know, Acts 7, um, Stephen's talking to the crowd and he's talking about Israel's history and he talks about David and he says, David found favour with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. And again and again through, through Scripture, uh, Daniel, Daniel was another guy we read that God caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. Now, when you have a favourite, you kind of look after them and you want to make sure that things go, you know, other people are looking out for them. And when we kind of read this about Daniel, we think God was, you know, giving this special kind of favour to Daniel uh, so that he would have favour with the, the officials, even though he was in sort of captivity and slavery. But Ruth was someone the Bible talks about, you know, finding favour with Boaz and Esther found favour with the king and, and God was on her life. And, and Hannah, who was barren and couldn't have children and she prayed, cried out to God and God showed favour to her and, and she gave birth to Samuel, the son. Now, you might be here this morning, you think, oh, that's great, you know, God's got all these wonderful favourite people that he had through the Bible, but I'm not Abraham, I'm not King David, I'm not Ruth or Esther or any of those kind of people. What about you? Well, 
what are all these, all these people that we've been talking about this morning have something in common. What do they have in common? They were all children of God. That's, that's pretty much about it. There's not really a whole lot else that they had in common. So if God's favour was on them, if they were God's favourites because they were children of God, what about you? Does God have favourites? Yes, He does. All of them. <laughs> God, God's, you know, we talk about, some, sometimes one of the things that we think about our favourite, we think we can only have one. It's like that has to be the one that we choose in uh, above all. But, you know, you can have lots of favourites, can't you? I have four kids and if you ask me which one's my favourite, I'll say, depends what day it is. <laughs> no, no, all of them, that's right. <laughs> Hang on, they're here. I can't talk about them. <laughs> but, uh, and that's the thing, it's like, you know, all of my kids are my favourites. It's not, it's not one over the other, um, but I, I prefer them over other people's kids, if I'm being genuinely honest. <laughs> now, you guys know that I love all of you, but you better hope that it doesn't ever come down to a choice between you and one of my kids. <laughs> Because I can tell you who I'm going to choose, <laughs> and and it probably won't be you, but but that's you know and that's the kind of thing where you know if we are God's children, then we are His favourites. He chooses us. He prefers us. He loves us, uh, and He cares about us. Let me give you another example. Some of us might have a difficult time choosing our favourite chocolate, for example. If you ask Kerry what kind of cho fa favourite chocolate was, it's going to depend on the day and what she hasn't had for a while and what she's feeling like. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that you could probably pick one you know, just chocolate to just have forever. You know, it's kind of like, and, and some of us, some of you are probably the same. You know, it's like my favourite chocolate is the one that's in front of me right now. <laughs> we can have more than one favourite and God has more than one favourite. We are His favourites. So what, what does it mean to be God's favourite? What that means is that God's favour is on you. Now if we say that God's favour is on you, we need to understand what that means, don't we? What does it mean to say that God's favour is on you? So the dictionary defines favour as approval, as support or liking for someone or something. Right there, I, I kind of get stuck a little bit right there when I think about that in terms of my relationship with God. Do I think about my relationship with God as being one where He approves of me, where He supports me, where He likes me? And we go, yes, God loves me, I know that, but then we go, well, yes, God loves you, but do you believe that He also likes you? <laughs> that He likes the person that you are, that He likes the different character traits that you exhibit. And, you know, you're, you're, you love the word favoured, to be favoured means to be regarded or treated with preference or partiality. Just like I talked about, my kids are favoured by me because they get my preference over others. I am not impartial when it comes to my family. I'm very partial. 
I prefer my family. I, they get the, 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 the bulk of my attention. They get the first of my um, energy and efforts when it comes to what I have to give. And like, th- like with, with us, God prefers us. He is partial. Let's look at it in um, Luke 1. Uh, so this is question number two. Question number one uh, was, does God have favourites? Because this is question number two, as we ask, what is favour? Uh, in verse 30 of Luke chapter 1, uh, the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. Now this, this word favour is an interesting one. It comes from... Uh, a Greek word which is in the, in the New Testament is translated in almost every example as grace. So if you want to understand what favour is, favour is grace that you didn't deserve. It, it's undeserved. Uh, it, it is this kind of undeserved kindness, this undeserved Uh, partiality or preference that God shows towards us. It's grace. Now, it's an interesting kind of little phrase where the angel says that Mary has found favour with God, doesn't it? Have you ever lost something? And then, you know, you hunted everywhere and then you found it. When you found that thing that you were looking for, it didn't suddenly pop into existence at the moment that you found it, did it? It was always there. You just didn't know where it was. And it's a little bit like that with grace too. Like we find God's grace at some point in our life. I don't know if you can remember back and think back to that point when you first discovered, when you first found, when you first experienced or received God's grace, but it didn't suddenly pop into existence at that moment when you discovered it. It had always been there. God has always had kind of grace towards you. It doesn't it doesn't even increase or decrease. You just discover it, don't you? You find it. And and this is what Mary found as well. There is no shortage of favour from God. There is no shortage of His grace. There is no um, kind of uh, moment where we have less or more. Uh, I love what John uh, chapter 1 verse 16, I want to just read this in the Amplified Version um, because I think it just kind of, it kind of adds to (laughs) the the sense of our understanding of what it says. But he's talking about um, in the beginning when he's talking about grace and truth coming through Jesus. And he says, for out of his fullness, talking about Jesus, uh, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favour upon favour and gift heaped upon gift. There is no shortage and John says it's like, it's just like piled up, stacked on top of each other. You know, it's like this, this gift upon gift and favour upon favour and grace upon grace and blessing upon blessing. This is what we discover in God. This is what we find in God and this is how God's grace and God's favour uh, works. So if, if, if that's kind of what 
that your favor is grace, then how do we how do we find it? How do we receive it? When you first received God's grace, how did you receive it? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. So we find grace by believing, don't we? We find favor with God by believing in Him. Mary found grace because she believed what the angel said. Noah found grace because he believed God when God told him it's going to this water's going to fall out of the sky. It had never rained before up until that point, and God comes and says, "All oh, this this water's going to fall out of the sky, and I'm calling it rain because I like to name stuff. Uh, and it's going to water's going to rise up, and it's going to flood the earth, and it's going to wipe away all the the sin and wickedness." And it says Noah believed him. Now it's important. When we kind of talk about this, this idea about belief and, and trusting, it's important that we don't trade positional grace for performance grace. It's not about being perfect. It's not about believing hard enough or doing the right stuff. The only way that we are made perfect is by believing in the one who is perfect. And often that's one of the things that, that we wrestle with a little bit in our Christian walk and our Christian faith isn't it it's kind of you know it's easy to kind of get into that place where we think that we only have God's favor when we do what's right and if we we if we mess up if we make a a wrong choice if we step out of God's will then we're out of God's favor but the Bible doesn't talk about grace and God's favor in that way like we are recipients, all of the, 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 the penalty for all of the punishment, all of the, the stuff for our sin was dealt with at the cross. Jesus already took all of that so that we would have His favour. All of the things that, and it's hard to wrap our, our minds around because we're, we're very caught up in, in kind of linear time, aren't we? It's hard to imagine that uh, as much as our mind can intellectually give assent to the idea that God knows the things that we're going to, the sins that we might commit or the mistakes that we might make in the future. It's kind of hard to sort of get that into our hearts, that all of the stuff that we haven't even, or the sins that we haven't even committed yet and the mistakes that we haven't even made yet are already paid for. Don't ever think that God is, you know, getting you back for messing up, for making mistakes. God doesn't, God doesn't work that way. I know sometimes when you, you know, you, you're going to work and you, your car breaks down or you get a flat tire or something and it's easy to kind of go, oh, yep, this is happening because I, you know, slept in and didn't read my Bible this morning and, you know, God's wanting to, you know, God's getting me back for this. Or sometimes we go, you know, God must be teaching me a lesson. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, we, we've probably all thought that at some stage something bad happens like God must be teaching me a lesson now don't don't get me wrong that doesn't um, sometimes we make choices and there are consequences for those choices that we didn't plan for or, or want but sometimes things happen that are you know not necessarily a result of our choices and but it's not if we get into that position of thinking that oh, must be God getting me back or trying to teach me a lesson because I made a mistake, then we haven't properly understood this whole idea of God's favour and God's grace being on us. His favour 
rests on you because of who you are in Christ, not because of how long you spent reading your Bible or praying this morning, not because of how loud you sang during worship this morning, not because of, you know, how long it's been since you witnessed to your, you know, how many times you witnessed, you know, given something away or how much money you put in the offering or none of that kind of stuff. His favour is on you because you're his child, you're his son, you're his daughter, you are his favourite. So does God have favourites? Yes, we are all his favourites. What is favour? Our favour is his grace towards us. How do we receive it? By faith. So that brings us to question number three. What is faith? Faith essentially is believing. Just like uh, Mary, how, how did she respond when the angel came to her and said, this impossible thing is going to happen to you? What did she say? She said, I'm the Lord's servant, may everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. She Basically what she was saying, I believe it. Let it be done to me, just as you have said. I want to tell you a story about a, a guy named Charles Blondin. Blondine, he was French, so we'll say Blondine, okay? Now, Charles was a gymnast from France and he moved to America and one of the first things he did was he set up a tightrope across Niagara Falls. This is in 1859, he moved to America and, uh, and set up this tightrope. Let me read, uh, this is a little article I was reading about him. Now he was a guy, this was the first time it had ever been done, he was the first guy to walk across Niagara Falls um, on a tightrope and uh, absolutely amazing. He did it a whole bunch of times, but um, this, is, this is how some of his escapades were described. It says, he crossed at night, a locomotive headlight affixed to either uh, end of the cable. He crossed with his body in shackles. He crossed carrying a table and chair, stopping in the middle to try to sit down and prop up his legs. Uh, the chair tumbled into the water and he nearly followed, but he regained his composure. Uh, Blondine, at one time, he sat down on the cable and ate a piece of cake and washed it down with champagne. Uh, in his most famous exploit, he carried a stove and utensils on his back, walked to the centre of the cable, started a fire, cooked an omelette, and when it was ready, he lowered the breakfast down to passengers on the deck of the, the, the ship called Maid of the Mist down below. That's crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. Um, and there were thousands of people that would gather to watch him. He just seemed to just walk across this tightrope like, you know, it was three feet wide. Um, but thousands of people would gather to watch him perform these feats of daring. Now, amongst all of the different exploits and kind of weird stuff that he did on the tightrope, um, there's one story that's told uh, about one time he just crossed over, you know, obviously making it look easy. I don't know which occasion it was, whether he just, you know, sat down on a chair or something in the middle of the tightrope or what, but he came across and there was this massive big crowd gathered there and he asked the crowd 
if they believed that he could carry a, another guy, a man across the tightrope on his back. And of course, you know, after hearing about his exploits and witnessing how easily he'd done all these different things, all the crowd are like, yes, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, we believe you could do that. And then he asked for a volunteer. <laughs> and I, I suspect, I mean, obviously this was a long time ago, so we don't have any, any specific records, but I suspect that you probably could have heard some crickets at that moment. <laughs> But there was one guy who was, uh, who was prepared, to, to willing, to put his life in Blondine's hands. And it was his, his manager, a guy called Harry Colcord, who was willing to be carried across. And there you can see a picture, uh, a black and white picture of Charles Blondine carrying his manager, Harry, uh, across the tightrope. Sometimes there's a difference between kind of believing something here and believing something here. And, and a lot of it, I suspect, has to do with relationship. How well do we know somebody? Another word for believe is trust. Faith is about putting our trust in God, putting our trust in God. As Christians, we're always kind of wrestling with that, aren't we? As Christians, we're always wrestling with that whole idea of trusting God with stuff that's out of our hands. We want to be able to do something. We want to be able to, to, to and this is kind of where sometimes we get caught up in, in works and legalism uh, and feeling like we've got to be able to do stuff to, to earn our spot but ultimately ultimately we can't often legalism is the downfall of Christians more than what we would typically call you know like sin because legalism is trusting in our actions to be good enough and earn our place with God rather than trusting in the finished and complete work of Jesus Christ who in our place um, kind of lived perfectly and died for the penalty you can't put your trust in what you do you have to put your trust in what jesus did faith is believing and trusting in god now that doesn't mean that we can't ever ask questions we know that mary asked that you know how can this be since i've never um been with a man and and that kind of stuff but you know there, sometimes i think that there's a way that we can ask questions sort of in faith and believing and a way that we ask questions which is kind of doubt and scoffing, isn't there? Just a few verses before this encounter with Mary, we read about Zechariah and, uh, and he was also a guy, an angel appeared to him when he was in the temple and said he was going to give birth to a, to a son in his old age and it was going to name him John and Zechariah kind of scoffed, kind of said, ah, oh, that's impossible. I don't, how, you know, how can I believe that when my wife is so old and, you know, there, there's a good tip for you fellas, never diss your wife and, you know, <laughs> Zachariah was struck mute after that occasion for, for, for six months. Um, you know, so that there's, there's kind of like, we can, we can ask questions if there's sort of an honest trust and belief in God without it turning into scoffing and disbelief. Um, 
So faith, believing in God, doesn't mean you can't ask questions. The second thing it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that everything is going to go well. Believing in God and trusting in God doesn't mean that everything is going to go fantastically. Being highly favoured doesn't mean that everything is going to turn out rosy and peachy. And sometimes we kind of, we're tempted to think that, aren't we? We're tempted to think, well, obviously I must not be highly favoured of God because of the things that have happened to me, the circumstances that I've had to deal with, the loss that I've had to suffer, the sickness that I've had to endure, the things that I've missed out on obviously demonstrate, we think, that we must not be highly favoured. But let's just kind of take a step back for a second. Let's look at Mary's life. Things didn't go fantastically well for Mary, did they? Even after this angel had come and declared her to be highly favoured of God, there was a whole like her life would have been tough there would have been family tension when she got pregnant there would have been a lot of family members that would not have believed the way that she got pregnant i don't know if i would have (laughs) it's pretty hard to believe isn't it if my daughter came to me and said dad i'm pregnant and it was the holy spirit i'm like i'd be like you are not going out of this house for a long time (laughs) just putting that out there (laughs) There would have been a whole lot of kind of awkward kind of sideways glances and, you know, whispers behind things for Mary. I don't think she would have been the the flavour of the month in that family. Even when Jesus was born, we know the Christmas story, he was born into very humble circumstances. He wasn't born in a, you know, a palace or a hospital or a, a nice place. He was born out with the animals. And Mary must have been sitting there and... You know, there must have been moments, you know, as much as she was filled with joy at, you know, giving birth to this beautiful, healthy baby boy, she must have been looking around at times and thinking, God, is, you know, is this what it means to be highly favoured? Had to flee to eat after Jesus was born because of the threat to his life. Her husband died while Jesus was probably in his teens or in his, in his 20s. Most um, scholars believe, and and when he hits thirty, Jesus, the kind of who's who's learned the the family trade from from Joseph and is a carpenter and has probably uh, relied on quite a bit to help provide for the family. He decides to chuck in the family business and go off and become a a preacher, wandering around the countryside. They get a little bit concerned about Jesus. They start hearing all the stories about things, some of the things that he's, he's preaching about and you know, all these stories about him casting demons out of people. And, and at one point, um, they come to get him. It's like, they, uh, it's like as if they want to come and you know, stage some sort of intervention and take him home and stop him from embarrassing the family anymore. Do you remember the story? There's a big crowd and, and uh, they, they, they can't get in to where Jesus is and so they like you know they're calling out and people are coming oh Jesus your your mum and your your brothers are out there and they want you you remember what Jesus said (laughs) he said who's my mother who are my brothers they're not they're not my they're not my mother and my brothers you guys are my mother and my brothers anyone who does the will of my father is my family they're not my family 
Now, I don't care, I, I don't think Jesus was necessarily being disrespectful, um, but he, he, he was making a point and he certainly wasn't, like, they, they left without him. He wasn't going home to be hidden away in the back room and be told he was being, you know, embarrassing his family or whatever the case might be. But if you think that wasn't a, a, a stabby in Mary's heart, you know, to because you, you know, you know what crowd, you know that those words would have got back to her. You know, they would have been like, "Come on, what's going on? What's going on?" They'd be like, "Oh, he said this." You know, if you think that that didn't um, cause a little bit of a heartache there for Mary, I think we're probably a bit naive, aren't we? Things didn't necessarily turn out the way that Mary expected. And in the end, we know Mary was there at the foot of the cross, watching her beloved firstborn son dying a brutal and agonizing death. It had been prophesied from the time that Jesus was born. When she took him to the temple, the priest prophesied that a sword would pierce her heart. I wonder if those words had gone through her mind when she was there at the foot of the cross, watching, having lost her husband and now she's losing her firstborn son. In this fashion, it must have been agonizing for her and her heart must have broken. Mary was highly favored of God, but that didn't mean that everything was easy didn't mean that everything turned out nicely didn't mean that everything went the way that she thought that it ought to go and for us as well when we face those challenges and those struggles and we're tempted in that moment to think well, God's favor is obviously not on me I want us to remember that kind of story and think you know the circumstances that we go through are not an indication of God's favor or God's grace on us God's grace and God's favor is what sustains us and gets us through those circumstances. You are highly favored because His grace is on your life. Now, you might be thinking this morning, yes, I know I've received God's grace and I know that His favor is on me, but like highly favored? It just kind of seems just you know i don't not quite sure that highly mate, i can go i can accept favored like i've heard you pastor caleb and i've read this you know read the scriptures with you this morning and i've heard your points and i can accept favored okay kind of at a stretch but highly favored is just a step too far for me let me tell you this god wants you to know this morning that when he favors somebody he only knows one way you are highly favoured because God doesn't favour any other way. <laughs> he doesn't give half measures of grace. He doesn't give a little bit of love. He gives it all. And you are highly favoured in His eyes. God wants you to know that today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your grace towards us lord we thank you for your undeserved favor that we have through faith in jesus 
Lord, I pray that you would help this truth to sink into our hearts, that we would receive it from you this morning. And Lord, I pray that we would respond the way that Mary responded in faith and in belief. Let everything you have said be done in my life. Lord, I receive your word to me. When you say, God, that I'm highly favored, God, I accept it. When you say that you love me, I know it's not because of anything that I've done, but because of Jesus and what he's done. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would be breaking some of those chains that have bound us some of those patterns of thinking that put down our our own value those ways of, of thinking that we are worth less than others that we are not valued in, in God's eyes Lord, I pray that you'll be breaking away the chains of those thought patterns, those lies of the enemy over our lives this morning. We accept the truth of your word, Lord, that we are highly favored, that we are your favorites because we are your sons and daughters and because we are in Christ. Lord, we give you thanks for your goodness. We declare that you are an awesome God we thank you for your love and your grace toward us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.